Welcome. Allow yourselves to settle and arrive. We will begin shortly. Perfect. Welcome to Awakening, Torah Musar Mindfulness, the Institute for Holiness, Kihilat Musar's weekly talk and guided seated meditation practice together. I am Rabbi Chasio Oriel Steinbauer, the founder and director of the Institute for Holiness, known as in Hebrew, Hamachon de Kedusha. We are delighted that you've joined us. We meet every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All are welcome. All levels of practitioners and practice oriented folks who have a regular seated practice of mindfulness meditation or of daily Musar practice, you're all welcome, including those who are completely new to the practice. As we begin with every week, we share our kavanot, our intentions for today's practice. It's very important in our Musar mindfulness practice to have an intention daily that we attempt to meet. We find this is even found in research and brain science, uh, for instance, coming out of the Greater Good Institute from the University of California in Berkeley, that when you have a kavana, when you have an intention, you're most likely to fulfill it. And it really does help you in the practice that you are aiming to fulfill. So our first one, as always, before doing acts of caring for the self, which we are doing right now to practice together, taking care of ourselves. This is something I am doing to strengthen my own soul in order to be a benefit to others in the future. Then our second kavanah, which we scroll down to the bottom, before doing acts to strengthen our relationship with the divine, which is also what we're doing here today at this time. This is something I am doing to strengthen my relationship with the creator so I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. It is well known that when we have our daily practice, when we engage in the refuge of community with our vad, with our sangha, with our daily practice and with our mindfulness, that we're able to care for ourselves in a proper way with wise discernment, being kinder, more gentle, more compassionate. And then that enables us, it strengthens us to be able to give to others and care for the world, which is so, so much needed. So today, we dedicate our practice, maybe merit this, to bring peace, to stop the violence and war that's happening between Ukraine and Russia. And we stop the aggressor of Russia's behavior. And may we merit the alleviating of the suffering that is happening there. And that's what we carry with us and our intention also for today's practice. May we, our practice merit this so that we can approach this situation with greater clarity, with greater skills, greater window of tolerance. 
So what is it that we actually sit here and do together? If you're new to this, if you're not, you know what happens. We engage in the investigation of the Torah portion from the Hebrew Bible from yesterday, from last Shabbat, where we took, we delve into awakening Vayakhel, okay? Vayakhel. And um, it, we really investigate this, this Torah portion from the lens of Musar mindfulness. And then we sit together and we practice. And this really is just quite a delight. And I'm, I'm it's quite an honor to lead this and be with you. So uh, you're welcome to join us any Sunday on Zoom, of course. Uh, the link is at our website of kihilatmusar.com. And we also are live streaming as usual on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you. So let's delve in. Vayachel. Immediately, if you recall from two weeks ago of Kititsa, we had a real disruption in the relationship. The people, from my perspective, thought that they were worshiping God. They did so in an inappropriate way. They commanded that Aharon build them a god or a replacement leader for Moshe. He had not come down from the mountain, just to recall. And so the people in their own reactivity, in their own lack of tools, um, commanded this and built this golden calf. And, and, they, and they gave from their gold jewelry, particularly their gold earrings, to build this, as you might recall. And that did not go over well, both for God and Moshe. And if you explore from my uh, our time of awakening together and the blog on the website, you will see how I feel about that and their own behavior. Um, so what we're witnessing here in Vayakhel, because we have to put things into perspective and context, is that we are witnessing um, Teshuva happen. We're witnessing the people uh, coming to give free will offering, giving actually too much, um, probably as an act of compensation for their behavior. Um, just giving and giving to the point where Moshe has to say, please stop giving. But what's important to note here and uh, um, covering this parsha, uh, this uh, weekly portion, is that they're commanded to give and very specifically it is laid out what they are to bring to give in order to build the tabernacle and everything that involves the outer structure and the inner furniture and what is needed including the clothing of the kohenim the priests so it's very specific it's very concrete and this is where you're witnessing the brilliance, the, um, I would almost say the training, uh, if we're going to have a practice for the people to grow in ways that God desires and wants and, and to lead the people, this is where they are being commanded to engage in a practice. And that practice is that 
you're giving freely you come and you're giving a gift but that gift has been you've been told what exactly to give if you're going to give and this is this is a tikkun this is a repair this is a, if you notice the people wanted to connect with god back in kitisa they wanted to connect with moshe they wanted him back to lead them there was this fear there was this lack of connection and that lack of connection led them to build something that they thought they could connect to that would be a replacement maybe even temporary of moshe and maybe even god and when you leave things up to people on their own without you being specific about what your needs are what the gift might be or should be then you're left open to what the people are going to give and in this case they build a golden calf here they're told exactly what to give and they give and they give too much okay so think about it if we're going to bring it down to more of a micro level you're in your partnership with your partner or spouse your birthday is coming and you know the previous year you had learned your lesson, which was that you had told your partner or spouse, you know, get me a gift, I would love a gift that's beautiful, or just hoping that they would do so. Maybe that was actually two years ago, so much tikkun and teshuvah. So two years ago, you just said, you didn't say anything, you were just waiting for a gift. And maybe that gift didn't come, maybe they forgot your birthday, or it wasn't what you wanted or expected. So then there was a tikkun, you thought, okay, I can, I can tell them that I want a gift. I would like them to do something special for me, but you leave it very open. And then they come with their gift and it's not what you want. So this is what we're witnessing on a macro level between God and the people. So here comes the third tikkun, the third teshuva. Bring gifts. These are the specific gifts that are desired and wanted. And also you're going to use the very items that you used to turn off the derek, turn off the path, the gold earrings, gold items that you had used to create the golden calf. You're going to take this very item and use it in an appropriate manner to build something that the whole community is going to benefit from, something that the whole community will finally head on this path. It's, it's a practice, it's an engagement of, it's a building of holiness in space. Something that the people need, something concrete that the people need. And it, there's no mistake, it's not a coincidence that even starting this parsha, God commands through Moshe the observance of Shabbat, starting with that you shall not work or light fires fire in your um, in your locations on that on actual Shabbat. This is profound because this is a commandment in a practice that will create holiness in time. So you're seeing God set up this framework, invisible but yet visible, where the people will begin to engage in daily practice of 
building something for the benefit of all, something that will engage in the holiness of space, while also observing on a weekly basis this holiness in time. And that practice is really going to allow there to be a greater understanding of the terms of the relationship between God and the people, and it allows them to do teshuva, to know what it looks like to have this space, this holiness in space and this holiness in time, particularly the holiness in space, somewhere I can go, somewhere I can engage in community, somewhere I know that I will be seen and accepted and be able to engage in this process of making sure to turn back to the right path. And this is what we're witnessing in this Parsha, which is quite profound. Um, I will just close with saying that um, it's Nachama Lebowitz, a beloved teacher of ours, may her memory be for a blessing, in her writings that were actually collected by her students on new studies in Shemot, in uh, the Exodus on page 668, who brings us this concept that the Israelites do teshuva with the very item in which they she uses the language sinned, but I would rather use the language where they, even what is said in the Torah, what, what God says to Moshe, that they saru, that they turned min haderach from the, from the path and went ahead and created this golden calf and worshipped it, brought offerings to it, dancing around it, eating around it, however you want to uh, understand those verbs, particularly um, yitzhak, eh, this type of playing, dancing, or uh, something of an inappropriate sexual nature, we, we just don't know. It's all a commentary and interpretation. So Nahama brings this for us. And um, it's, it's just quite beautiful, this concept of bringing the same gold earrings or the, the gold that one has to contribute to build, to build this tabernacle. So uh, we want to, for our, our practice this week, and even um, in general, but particularly this week, when we're doing our cheshbon hanefesh, our counting of the soul journal, when we're looking at our words, thoughts, and deeds, just five minutes in the evening, we want to look at what in our own life have we given inappropriately, not what the person needed or wanted, but we were still, it came from a good place. The intention was there. And this is where we develop in our toolbox and our window of tolerance, understanding the difference between intention and impact. So, you know, we might've had really good, holy intentions, but the impact was not what was either consensual or desired. And of course, our practice is to be on that path to, um, bring what is joyful to others and to alleviate suffering. So to look at ourselves, even this past week, if there's nothing that comes up, something in the past where we might have behaved that way ourselves. And the next time that we need to do that teshuva, that returning to the proper path, what is it in our engagement with where we were off the derek, that where we were not in alignment with our values and how we want to behave in the world? Did we engage in any use of anything that we could now use in an appropriate way? So for instance, B'nai Israel, it was 
that they took these um took their earrings that gilded the calf and again um, you know use these earrings of every kind of gold ornaments that they contribute to the tabernacle and um you know gold alone as nahama teaches us gold alone was given to the calf but it was gold and the nadiv lev this willing heart this generous heart um was given to the tabernacle so how can we can we look at what is it that we give and that where we might have give given inappropriately or just the person did not want that the person that was beloved to us that we wanted to give it might even be on the the level of giving sadaka, giving appropriately, given what is actually needed. What is it that the person needs and wants to fill their needs? And can we give with this nadiv lev? Can we give with this generous heart so that we're giving with the same, maybe the same type of objects or items, but also with the heart? So I, I love that she teaches and brings that to us. Um, and so we'll want to look at that in our own practice, where have we done that in our own lives, um, and, and maybe even in, uh, during this week. Uh, I will close off with saying that, as I said, I really think this is Hashem's, um, you know, we can't know exactly the wisdom and knowledge of Hashem, but if we want to read the wisdom of, of Hashem, of God, um, is this really building specific practices to allow the people to grow on a daily basis, to be heading towards uh, holiness, to being on the path, which is a lifelong journey. And so we today in our practice are on that same path, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, and we engage in this together. So um, we have to make sure that our giving is disciplined, and in some ways, as Nahama Lavoitz will word it, with the yoke of heaven, I would say with the awareness of what is expected of us and um, to be in alignment with that. So we're going to move into our seated meditation practice together. And in particular, we're going to engage in a meditation on equanimity, which in the Musa tradition, is called menuchat nefesh a calmness of the soul. From the Theravada Vipassana insight meditation, Buddhist traditions, um, equanimity is it's a wonderful quality. It's a spaciousness. It's a balance of heart. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, as I have encountered with many students uh, over the past few days, of how can I even how can I even sit and practice equanimity when this, when war is ravaging? So one, I just want to remind us that war on some level has been raging in different places for as long as I can remember, there's been some type of violence or conflict between human beings. It's happening on a daily basis. This is, yes, this feels larger, especially with the media coverage. It also taps into our fears, the hindrances of fear and worry that this will abrupt into a world war and involve us in a more intimate, difficult level. Those of us who have the privilege to be outside of that location. But these problems, violence, the lack of addressing climate change, 
the institution of racism and ongoing racism and classism and ableism and heteronormativity and the exclusion of so many people, not to even address the, the insecurity of not having proper food or um, clean water, all these issues are with us and had been with us um, prior to the outbreak of this war, even prior to COVID. So <clears throat> I wanna carry that and, and then tell you that you can engage in a seated practice on the Mida of Menuchata Nefesh, on equanimity, and practice it. And if difficulty is arising, if guilt is, um, because that's really what's behind the voice, I feel guilty to be sitting and working on equanimity. If we can't be of balance, we are not going to respond to this war or anything with wise discernment, with wise speech, with wise action. We must be doing our daily practice in order to respond in the healthiest, in the best ways that are helpful and useful to the others who are suffering. So we don't run away from this and we don't run away from our feelings of guilt that we it's survivor guilt. It's the guilt of I'm not in war. I'm not there. I'm not feeling this as if you shouldn't have any joy or any practice of equanimity because this is going on that's simply just not true that's 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 a that's very much a hindrance and we need to recognize that and allow it and begin to investigate the felt sense of it so let's move into our practice if you are able to sit as i always say do so in an upright dignified position Allow your sit bones to really settle and sit in. Allow your feet to be grounded so that you're held and carried. If you're coming to this practice with knowledge that you have a history of trauma and that it sometimes gets triggered or comes up in your meditation practice, please practice awareness of that. Open your eyes and look throughout the room to bring yourself to the present moment to keep yourself grounded. If you feel yourself being pulled away into somewhere else besides the present moment. For those of us who are able to sit without there being um, trauma that may come up, I encourage you to sit your, uh, shut your eyes if you feel safe. For those of you with pain, with chronic pain, or just too strong of discomfort to be able to be present in your seated meditation, please stand with a chair next to you to hold you firm or engage in walking meditation or lie down with eyes open, awake and alert so that you don't fall asleep when we are engaged. For the rest of us, Allow your hands to settle in your lap or wherever is comfortable for you. Begin to close your eyes if you feel safe. Otherwise, lower your gaze. And we begin with three deep cleansing breaths.
Notice if your breath is labored. Notice if the length of the in-breath is the length of the out-breath. No need to force or control it anymore. Allow yourself to begin to settle and arrive. Using my voice as your anchor, the sounds around you, or your breath. And if your mind does wander off either to thinking or to emotions or to sensations in the body, when you wake up to that experience, gently and kindly bring yourself back to the present moment to your anchor. No need for judgments. This is the practice. Every single one of us, our thoughts will wander. Notice if you are getting up and planning for something for the future or reviewing something that happened in the past. You can bow to it and honor it, even use the naming techniques to say planning planning, daydreaming, daydreaming, and to come back to your anchor. You can simply visit those thoughts again later. Same thing if you have strong sensations in the body that are pulling your attention away. Simply recognize that they are states that will arrive have a certain shelf life, and then they will pass. No need to cling to them or to react and practice aversion, pushing it away. Simply allow. Menuchat hanefesh, equanimity. This aware of what is present in the present moment. Rising above both the good and bad, whatever is inconsequential. That spaciousness, that balance of heart, that balance of our spirit of our body. And although this mida, this trait grows with our meditation practice and our Musar practice, it can be cultivated in a very systematic way like we have with chesed, with loving kindness, with rachamim, with compassion. And we can feel the possibility of balance in our hearts in the midst of life. When we first recognize that we are not in control. 
that life is not in our control. And although we cultivate this compassion for others and that we actually engage in practices to alleviate suffering of the world, mitzvot, commandments, there will be and there are many situations that we are unable to affect. We practice the serenity prayer. May I have the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We must know that no matter how much we deeply love others and mirror for them, and offer assistance. In the end, each of us are on a journey to learn for ourselves and to be a source of our own wisdom, our own liberation. We begin by reflecting on the benefit of a mind that has balance and equanimity. Think back to your own practice of when you felt balanced in menuchat nefesh and equanimity. Feel how that also was for you as embodied the felt sense of equanimity, sense what a gift it can bring, this balanced, peaceful heart, what a gift to the world around you. Allow yourself now to feel an inner sense of balance and ease. And we practice the chanting or saying of a phrase almost as a naming technique to bring that intention, that kavana of may I be balanced and at peace. You may repeat to yourself, may I be balanced and at peace. And for those of you who are struggling, having whatever it might be, holding on to a clinging or an aversion, to sensing an inner balance and ease, recognize it, allow it, ask yourself if you can be with it, the ability to hold it all. Acknowledge that all created things arise and pass. Joys, sorrows, pleasant events, people, buildings, 
animals, nations, and even whole civilizations. Let yourself rest in the midst of this. And we add the following phrases to our practice. May I learn to see the arising and passing of all with equanimity and balance. May I be open and balanced and peaceful. And while events happen, wars happen, situations happen, stimuli happens, we acknowledge that what we are still in control of is our own reaction, our own response to the stimuli. We are heirs to our own deeds, our own response. And that ours and other people's lives will rise and pass away according to the conditions and deeds created by them in reaction to the conditions around them. And while we can love and care for others, we cannot fix them, not love for them, not stop wars for them. To find equanimity with others, we add the phrase, your happiness and suffering depend on your own thoughts and actions and not my wishes for you. In the next steps, we wish peace and equanimity to specific people. We hold them in our heart. And then we can move beyond from individuals to groups, wishing, may you learn to see the rising and passing of all things with equanimity and balance. May you have true equanimity. May you practice accepting the things you cannot change. May you have the courage to change the things you can. May you be balanced and peaceful. May you live with a calmness of soul. And finally, we expand our whole field of equanimity 
to the whole world. And we say and share together the following phrase. May I bring compassion and equanimity to the events of the world. Other people's happiness and suffering depends on their thoughts and actions and to the institutions that surround them and not my wishes for them. May I learn to see their rising and passing of all things with equanimity and balance. May I practice and develop the, wi the wisdom to know the difference between the things that I can change and the things that I cannot. May I practice the wisdom of knowing that if I allow myself to struggle with worry and fear over those things in which I have no power, over those things which I cannot change, that I'm only causing myself suffering and suffering to those around you and us. May we be open and balanced and peaceful. May we practice wise discernment. May we find refuge and community in Hashem and God and the wisdom of the Buddha and our Sangha and our Va'ad in our kahila, in our communities, in the teachings of the Torah and the Dharma and Musar mindfulness. May we find balance and equanimity and peace. May we create and practice balance, equanimity and peace. And finally, our final phrase, may I live with a peaceful heart. We will spend the next few minutes in silence.
May we move towards nurturing and non-identification with ever strong states have arisen within us. To acknowledge them, to even make friends with them, as the beautiful poet Rumi reminds us in his lovely poem, uh, the title being something of a house, someone will remind me that all are welcome, that we have the capacity in our practice to come with whatever arises, to meet it. And our next week of practice of equanimity, see yourself riding the waves of the stimuli of the world on your surfboard. The waves still come and they can be treacherous, but you remain on that board and you ride. And you know when and how to offer the gifts that you have for the greater good, for the benefit of others. Gently and slowly open your eyes, meet us back in this sacred Zoom space, a gift from Hashem and God that we're able to connect from all over the world to engage in awakening Vayakhev together today. This Torah, Musar mindfulness, grateful for your presence and your practice. May we merit alleviating the suffering that is going on in the world. Today's sitting and talk and teaching is sponsored by one of our lovely beloved students. Mina Rosenberg, who has contributed in order to sponsor the sitting, which we welcome 
on a weekly basis to do so in honor of someone or in memory of someone. And so for her, this giving to us is in memory of those who've already lost their lives in this war. And that we hold them and honor them. We accept donations in order to offer this free will offering to you, both coming from the Divlev, that uh, you may contribute through any medium. The information is on our website under donations. We welcome you to join our community to engage in this daily practice, be a part of this beautiful community to take refuge in. That information is on the website under memberships. And please subscribe to our newsletter in which you'll receive the written blog of this sitting, as I explained previously, that I take this sitting together and I write more intensely and extensively on the parasha and the weekly portion, including citations and other insights that we cannot have time for in our daily sitting, and particularly this sitting on Sundays. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, you will receive um, that blog in written form to receive that. So please do subscribe in addition to receiving news and updates about the Institute for Holiness. I'm Rabbi Chassi Oriel Steinbauer, Thank you so much for practicing and joining today. I am grateful and I look forward to practicing and learning and sitting with you next Sunday. Bezrat Hashem, God willing. Thank you and take care.